The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. Welcome to the Ask Harry Podcast. In this session, I continue my conversation with Crystal Thorpe of Elder Decisions about using elder mediation to resolve family disputes, both about elder care issues and family inheritance. Crystal, thanks for joining me again. Thanks, Harry. In our last episode, we went through a, a lot of information about what mediation is all about and how it works. And I was wondering now if we could uh, really, if you had some good war stories to tell us <laughs> about how it's worked in uh, particular cases, maybe starting with uh, a situation uh, where um, the family didn't agree about where mom or dad ought to live. Thanks. Um, so actually, one, one situation... Um, both parents were still living in the home, and the father had quite severe dementia. And the mother was managing quite well, but starting to show her own signs of memory loss and concerns um, concerns just around living at home. And so the family came together around what to do. She really wanted to stay where she was. Family members were trying to figure out whether she should move in with somebody. Um, they wanted to... Dad was happy where he was. Mm-hmm. Um so in that situation, the family came together to, to really hear what, was, what they all wanted, but also to be practical about making some decisions. And what really struck me about that case was we talked earlier in the last um, session about capacity. Mm-hmm. And in this case, the father participated partly because this was his home and it was a family conversation. And yet the words that he used would be what somebody might call word salad. He didn't, hmm. he didn't actually put two sentences together. He talked in streams of a few words at a time that didn't really connect. Um, and so by having somebody present, first of all, it, sometimes it elevates the level of the conversation mm-hmm. in that people are really respectful about an individual who's there. And in his case, you could see that he just was so thrilled to have his family members together. <laughs> and... Um, when we got to the the things that were important to him, uh, part of the concern was that they wanted enrichment for him, mm-hmm. and so he um, they were looking at social programs and things like that nearby work um, day programs, and out of the blue he just said social social like with this <laughs> amazing light in his huh. face and such animation, and his family said that that was the that session was the most they had seen or heard him talk in the, like the last six months and he was clearly like very involved emotionally even though his words couldn't express ex- everything that he wanted so that really has stuck with me um the family was able to come to decisions around supports that could come into the home and help the family so that sh- the mother and father could live there successfully for a while longer um Deal with dealing with things like um, where the mail would go so that mm-hmm. the bills would continue to get paid because there was becoming some issues around that. Yeah. Um, some other issues around um, uh, how to deal with like the increase of scam callers, you know. So mm-hmm. there were some right. very practical things there, um, as well as, yeah, I mean, so those are just a few situations in that particular family that were really productive and that the family hadn't successfully been able to have conversations on mm-hmm. their own with, without a mediator. Yeah, because often it's uh, 
one child talks with mom, another talks with dad, another talks to the sibling, and it goes around in circles. Right. And they never all get together. Right. And for especially for family members who are living away, there can be a lot of denial because mm-hmm. family members have um, – parents have a way of rallying when their family members come from, a, from right. afar or yeah. on the phone. And so for them to really hear from everybody uh, what some of the concerns were was really helpful. Right. And it's always easier to criticize whoever's – there from afar because uh, you, you certainly don't know how many hours they're spending or right. or what tough decisions they have to make. Right. And so if, uh, that also helps to get everybody together. But we've seen this a lot where the elders want to stay in their home and it's and the kids are really worried about how mm-hmm. about their safety mm-hmm. and um, and also um, they can't just give up their whole lives to to move in with the parents or, or take care uh, or visit them every day. Right. Um, and uh, so it sounds like a pretty typical mm-hmm. situation in a lot of ways. Absolutely. And the other thing is that while, uh, while our expertise is in mediation and in conflict resolution, we also have a lot of information about resources that are available to people. So people like you, um, elder law attorneys who can help, um, as well as geriatric care managers and, and also some low-cost resources in the communities that, that can serve people. So um, often people find that they learn a lot about resources that are available as well through the process. So that's that's why you probably often might need more sessions because mm-hmm. it can be a little reiterative. You, you, um, you figure out what people's goals are and what's going on, and then maybe people have to go back and do some research and right. come back to an actual resolution. Exactly. And and we want to make sure that people have good information before they're making decisions. Um, so while we don't give advice, we do give information. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. And how about in inheritance? I mean, there's often disputes, um, sometimes about real estate, about whether it's going to be sold or kept, or about um, tangible items, mm-hmm. since cash is fungible, so it doesn't really matter. But uh, who's going to get a picture or uh, or family photo? Or I mean, a painting or family photos or um, anything like that? Have you dealt with situations where um, those kinds of objects are in dispute? Yes, actually. Um, and the one that comes to so so we've dealt with a variety of kinds of things like that. Everything from uh, an estate with a lot of real estate that's being divided um, and and looking at use and how to use it, um, how to use it, and also whether or not to sell and all of that. Mm-hmm. And um, the personal property items that you just mentioned. So one situation that comes to mind especially was a family where um, partly their decisions were impacted by the family culture. And their family culture had said that everything has to be equal in order for it to be fair. Mm -hmm. And that anything that had gone into the estate had a value. And so Mm -hmm. the way to make it equal was to assign a value to everything and then to divide it up evenly by value. and because of that, and, and in, interestingly, the family wasn't even so aware, really. I mean, they just, mm-hmm. uh, that that was their culture, um, because this is just, was part of the way they did things, and that's yeah. the way their mother divided her parents' estate, that kind of thing. Um, and so in that situation, uh, the family, by recognizing, first of all, th- well, I guess the other concerns were that if people received items, that they would then sell them or whatever, and that they mm-hmm. might not actually... Um, keep them and use them. Mm-hmm. And so in that family, 
the siblings came together with their mother um, prior to uh, – the mother was, was wanting to distribute her belongings. Mm-hmm. She was moving and didn't want to put everything in storage. Um, and the family came together and recognized, first of all, that that was their culture and that they had a, a different way that they could go about it. They could um, – figure out what people wanted, you know, first of all, and uh, le- and that they could distribute things based on what people wanted um, and and if and and put a process in place so that they could decide on anything that was in dispute. Um, and then everything else they could make another decision for. Um, I'm not exp- expressing that very clearly, but it was very, um, I think partly why it sticks in my mind is that we gave them, again, some information. Mm-hmm. We gave them a worksheet, a workbook called Who Gets Grandma's Yellow Pie Plate, which okay. was developed mm-hmm. by the um, University of Minnesota Extension Service. And it's a great tool for people to sort of think about the difference between fair and, um, it, well, all the different definitions of fair, really. And so they used that and actually were able to do a lot of this on their own and we kind of pushed forward the next day's session to give them a few hours to work on it on their own they weren't paying us they were able to work together and for us to come in see them all spread out with their worksheets and their um their list of all the the um belongings that had been evaluated um and just having fun as a family doing mm-hmm. this it was just very uh, heartwarming so, uh-huh that's great yeah. and you you mentioned that uh, you've um dealt with situations around family homes or vacation homes? Do you have any examples uh, in that regard? Um, There was uh, a family that inherited a a large estate with a number of buildings, and um, different family members had different ideas around what should happen in terms of the use of the buildings and whether or not they wanted to stay co-owners or not. So there were questions of whether or not to buy each other out, um, who would use it. Um, in that particular situation, a family uh, advisor who was a financial advisor came and participated for part of the session. Mm-hmm. An attorney participated for part of the session. Um, so they were able to map out some decisions together. Uh, other families uh, inherit vacation homes and find that the process can be really helpful first to decide whether there's going to continue to be co-ownership, mm-hmm. but if so, what that looks like and how they're going to manage the day-to-day decisions and the long-term decisions, and even things like, you know, how they're going to schedule the weeks in the summer mm-hmm. and those kinds of things. So. And, and pay expenses or right. rent it out and right. things like that, or somebody's not using it, why do they get compensated? Exactly, right. yeah. There's a lot of issues. We had an earlier podcast on that issue, if anyone listening wants to check that out. It was very good. I listened, oh, actually. Oh, we did? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so sometimes we find, even though we think mediation is a, is, is a lot better than litigation for resolving things is that people don't want to do it at first. Or maybe their, 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 their family member won't, they'll just say they won't mediate or, um, or they don't, no one wants to be in the same room. Um, and they, and they're right. So if they go to court, they're going to get what they want. And then after they've been litigating it for several months and starting to pay lots of money to lawyers, then they're maybe beaten down enough <laughs> to say that maybe there's another way. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you find that, that people come to you uh, in the midst of litigation? We do a little bit. Um, I, I think partly we just need to get the word out more that this can be such a productive process. Um, so a lot of people find us through the web or through referrals, that kind of thing. And so sometimes and sometimes people feel so entrenched, you know, once they've started the litigation mm-hmm. process. But it certainly can be a process that happens once the process has started, um, it it can, 
it can really there's a bit of magic to mediation and I don't <laughs> I mean it, it's amazing when people really get together and hear um, and talk directly with each other with the help of a mediator instead of through attorneys and um, it, there is a way that people can um, can just see things in a different light and and resolve things um, so it is it certainly um, certainly can be very effective and actually um, now that you mentioned that there's there's a joint committee on um, the Mass Council of Family Mediation and the Mass Collaborative Law Council have formed a joint committee on probate and estate, probate and estate dispute resolution mm-hmm. to to um, increase awareness, really, of this tool for families um, that they don't have to go to court, that they can resolve out of court. So what you just mentioned, collaborative law, what, mm-hmm. what is that? So collaborative law is an opportunity for families to, for, for in any case, to bring their attorneys present in a in a, a four way meeting they call it if there are two parties there would be two parties and two attorneys as well as a coach who acts somewhat like a mediator to facilitate a conversation out of co- the courtroom and co- the collaborative law in its purest form um, the attorneys make a pledge not to take the case to litigation and that if the parties do go to litigation that they need to withdraw from the process. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of a step. Mediation is probably the fastest and cheapest version of resolving disputes. Collaborative law, if attorneys need to be more involved, um, can that can be a, a forum there. Um, and then the next step beyond that could be litigation. But um, But the hope with collaborative law is that families can resolve disputes outside of court. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it looks very similar to mediation. So, But I, I can mean, see how some people would be more comfortable with that because they, they might be afraid about entering the arena on their own mm-hmm. and ha- having their advocate with them and just making sure they don't make do, uh, give away too much or make a big mistake. Uh, it might They might feel comfortable being represented. Yes, and I, I do want to mention that it, in mediation they can be represented as well, and mm-hmm. so we do have attorneys participate in the process as well when it seems to make sense. Um, we welcome attorney participation. Most of our cases don't involve attorneys, um, except perhaps outside of the process, mm-hmm. um, but but certainly we have, you know, had a number of cases where attorneys have participated very effectively, and we welcome that partly because, again, we want the parties to be well informed. And so, if if they have an attorney to be able to explain things, um, that can be a, a very collaborative process as well. So, uh, you told me uh, outside of our session that you also do some divorce mediation, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know if you have any examples of cases you've been able to help resolve through uh, through uh, divorce or um, or maybe visitation things like that. Sure. Uh, so, I yes, I, I work with parties, uh, whether it's parent co-parenting issues or divorce mediation in general. Um, I think uh, one case that describes the benefits really well is a family came to us where the, the parents both really wanted to be able to keep the house, so th- uh, the, for the mother to be able to stay in the house um, so that she could raise the children. In this case, it was the mother. Sometimes it's the father. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to raise the children in the house that they grew up in. Um, and yet the father didn't have the funds to be able to buy her out. Mm-hmm. And so they felt really stuck and felt like they needed to sell in order to divide the assets mm-hmm. and liabilities equally. And by looking at their whole picture of assets and also being creative about problem solving and thinking about what their needs were, they together realized that while, yes, the father did want his share of the house eventually, he didn't need it all at once Mm -hmm. and all at first. So they were able to create something where she 
she was able to buy out a small portion enough for him to be able to start his own home. Mm -hmm. Um, And then over time, when the kids graduated from high school, she either would have paid him off completely or they could sell the house at that time. And families don't always think about that as a possibility. And so um, I actually have a little story that's (laughs) separate from this, if that would be helpful. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, That kind of paints the picture of the difference between the interests and positions. Um, So this is going to sound really simplistic, but... um, Say that it's your birthday and you have two teenagers in the house and you, you want to just sleep in and yet you hear them arguing, right, on a Saturday morning because it turns out they're arguing over the last orange in the house. Mm-hmm. So when you go see them, um, what are you likely to do? Well, we often ask this of, of audiences and they'll say, oh, you should split the orange, or, um, give them each half, or I'll take the orange, or... <laughs> Go get more. And those can all be really good Mm -hmm. examples. But as a mediator, we would ask why. Why do you want the orange? And in this case, it's because one child wants to make you orange juice and Mm -hmm. the other one wants to make you an orange cake. Uh So what they really need is either the fruit or the rind, and they can each get all of what they want. So again, it's really simplistic, but we find that those... The, the fruit of the orange and the rind of the orange, those are the needs or the interests that mm-hmm. somebody has. Um, they're what, what's important to somebody about a decision. So rather than going in and saying, I need that orange and the position, um, or in the case of divorce, I want to keep the house, mm-hmm. um, you talk about why they want that. And the mediator finds that out and helps them really think creatively about how to meet, how to get those needs met in ways that they might not have thought of otherwise. It's oh, a great, great, Story. I mean, I, I guess it's not an example because you didn't mediate that, but right. yeah. Um, and, and I owe that actually to, um, there's a great book called Getting to Yes by Fisher and Yuri. Oh, yeah. And um, in a different format, they use the orange story uh-huh. as well. <laughs> but uh, that relates to something else I wanted to ask you about because uh-huh. I know that your company also does a lot of training. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder if you could tell, tell us about what, what you do and how that works. Oh, okay, great. Um, thanks. We, we, we do a variety of kinds of training. So what I've just described just now might be something that we might share in a conflict resolution skills training, where we'll either do a workshop for caregivers or a longer training with family members on, you know, how to communicate more effectively with family members and, and others. Um, and we also provide that kind of training to elder care professionals, because uh, like you, um, there are a lot of things that whether an elder law attorney or a geriatric care manager can do with families that don't require full mediation. So, um, yeah, a conflict resolution skills training can help increase those skills for folks. Um, then for mediators who are already doing mediation, we provide elder and adult family mediation training so that they can learn how to, the complexities of elder mediation, um, how this differs from other kind of mediation, both in terms of process and skill set and information that you might need. Um, so we provide a three-day training in that as well. So if someone who is listening was interested in doing either, either of these kinds of trainings, uh, how would they find out about them? Oh, um, our website is elderdecisions.com. And, um, uh, and we also are <laughs> – they're, they're ancient right now. We're revising <laughs> um, agreementresources.com as our, our parent company as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where people would find out about divorce mediation, and, and all our trainings are listed there as well. Very good. And a, a last question. You, in our first session, you alluded to you alluded to the elephant in the room in terms of resolving it, and you alluded to fees. Uh-huh. But uh, how, how do you charge? 
It's an hourly fee. Um, so our current rate is $350 an hour, and that covers two mediators. So it's really a bargain, actually. <laughs> we should probably raise our rates, but that seems to work well. Um, and uh, people are paying not only for the time on the phone. So an Initially, we offer free free time to just find out about the process. In divorce mediation, we'll offer a free hour consultation face-to-face -to, -face to learn about the process. And in elder adult family mediation, typically it occurs by phone, but that anybody can call us and, and find out about it. Um, once people decide to go forward, then we do do um, individual phone check-ins that are charged at that same rate, um, the mediation time itself, and then any documentation or mediator prep or summaries, those kinds of things are charged at that same rate. Okay, very good. Thank you very much, Crystal. I, I hope that this will be help to a lot of listeners in resolving any issues they may face. Thank you, Harry. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Ask Harry podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends and colleagues. If you have questions about estate planning, you can find answers at askharry.info. And if you don't find your answer there, you can post a question and I will respond to it. You can also subscribe and listen to future episodes on iTunes.